WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. The injustice that is New York and the decision that was reached by this judge to destroy Donald Trump's financial empire. Absolutely amazing and stunning that this is the United States of America. Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you uh, for joining us. Trump said the New York decision is a complete and total sham, and he's exactly right. I want to make a couple points about this, and I've been saying this throughout the show today, but I can't emphasize this enough. There were no victims. There were no victims. None. Nobody came forward to complain. This action was brought by the state of New York. They had no basis to charge him with a criminal case, so they used this ridiculous statute and the civil statute which says we don't have to prove you had the intent to defraud. We don't even have to prove that anybody was defrauded. We just say you're guilty, and then we move on to the penalty phase and how much you're going to cough up. Now, there's going to be a press conference at 6 p.m. at DeSantis. I just saw the Chiron on that. Um, we will obviously bring that to you live. But here's a little montage of the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, so you understand just how incredibly partisan, how she was hell-bent on getting Donald Trump. She vowed to target Donald Trump. She vowed to bring him down. Take a listen. The president of the United States has complained that I'm engaging in some sort of political witch hunt, that I've got some personal vendetta against him, that I campaigned against him. That is not true. This illegitimate president who sits in the White House. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. We've got to get ready to mobilize, and we've got to get ready to agitate and irritate until victory is won, but more importantly, until Trump is defeated. We will all rise up and resist this man. And ultimately, we'll bring him down. This illegitimate president, I'm going to give you the same level of respect that you gave to President Obama, and that is absolutely no respect at all. Donald Trump has got to go, hey, hey. That's the attorney general of New York. Okay, that's the attorney general of the, of the, the state of New York. Now, let's understand that under this civil statute in New York state that they use, because remember something. The federal government looked into Donald Trump's criminal, excuse me, his business empire because they were determined to try to prove that it was a criminal empire. And guess what? There was no evidence of that. So they never brought charges because there was no evidence it was a criminal empire. It was just a business empire. 
that's not all. The attorney, the district attorney of New York, Alvin Bragg, who again was determined to prove Donald Trump's business empire was a criminal empire. He fought to get Trump's tax returns, fought all the way to the Supreme Court to get him, to get his finances, looked into everything. Alvin Bragg, the same guy that's charging Trump in the Stormy Daniels thing, and he could not bring a case because it's not a criminal enterprise. It's a business enterprise. Because in order for it to be criminal, you'd have to have victims. That The V word here is very important. You need a victim, and there were no victims. So what happened? The attorney general's office looked into charging Trump to argue that he had a criminal enterprise. Only again, there was no evidence to bring charges in a criminal case because there were no victims. Because it was a business enterprise, period. So what did they do? They turned around and used a statute on the books in New York that they've never used before to go after Donald Trump and destroy his business because it didn't require a jury. It did not require a, an, an intent to defraud and it did not require any victims. That is what a civil statute in New York that's on the books somehow in this country, in the United States of America, somehow That is okay. Somehow that's constitutional, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it's ever been challenged on its merits before a court in terms of it being constitutional because, in my mind, there's no way this is constitutional. How can you tell me that you don't have a trial to determine guilt? The judge makes this determination all on his own, and that's what Arthur Engeron determined. He just decided Trump's guilty, and that's the end of it. What you saw on TV over the last couple months was actually not a trial. That was not a a trial. You see, a trial is a a determination of guilt. What you saw was the penalty phase of that. The trial happened once the judge declared that Trump was guilty and then just proceeded to then find out how much the attorney general wanted to take from Trump. And then they just went forward and moved it with that verdict from the day one, from the first day of this so-called trial, Trump's guilt had been decided. Andy McCarthy put it best when he said, the case against the former president lacks victims. So, Letitia James and Arthur Engeron are inventing some. If Donald Trump had defrauded banks out of $168 million in interest payments, don't you suppose those banks would have sued Trump? Of course they would have, but they never did. But that didn't stop them from coming after Trump and using the statute that's on the books to go after him in a civil case. The judge's pretrial ruling pronounced that Trump is civilly liable for fraud. The judge ruled this in, in let me say this again, pretrial. In the pretrial ruling, the judge announced guilt. Trump was not found guilty today of fraud. I want you to understand that. So whatever you whatever you're hearing, whatever you think, people have this wrong. Trump was not found guilty today. He was found guilty before this ever started in the pretrial phase of this. The judge found Trump guilty, civilly liable for fraud, for fraudulently inflating the value of his assets in statements of financial condition. SFCs, which are used in various financial transactions, particularly bank loans and insurance contracts. In this, the judge endorsed Letitia James' invocation of a monstrous New York statute 
6312, which does not require the state to prove the defendant had fraudulent intent, let alone defrauded anyone. The only thing about this that you've been watching on TV the last couple months was how much Trump has to pay. That's it. In fact, the judge would not even allow his attorneys to make the point that there were no victims in this case. The judge kept cutting Trump and his lawyers off by insisting that he already decided Trump committed fraud, that he already decided that Trump overvalued his assets, and he already decided Trump cannot be insulated by the disclaimer in those SFCs letting the counterparts know, hey, you should do your due diligence in evaluating the value of these assets. This was not a trial. This was a penalty phase. The guilt had been determined because under this ridiculous statute in New York, you don't need a trial to determine your guilt because it's civil. I know. It sounds, it sounds insane because to come up with a verdict of $350 million in a so-called civil case when there's no victims, when nobody is actually doing the filing. See, I had a caller before who said, well, who, who started this? But you're thinking of maybe somebody who says, hey, uh, I was defrauded and I'm going to get a lawyer and I'm going to sue. That's not what happened here. That's not what occurred. There was no bank that said, hey, we're going to sue Donald Trump. And then the state of New York said, we'll do it on your behalf. There was no insurance company that did that. Nobody. There was no complaints. The state of New York initiated this on its own on behalf of the consumers of New York. And now they want him to pay up $350 million. The Trump team has made much of the fact that there was no fraud victims in the fraud case. Indeed, that is undoubtedly the reason the federal prosecutors who originally investigated the Trump organization and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that labored mightily trying to make a criminal case, both abandoned the effort. In a fraud case, it is technically not required to prove that a victim lost money. But it's tough for prosecutors to win a jury trial without doing so. This left it to Tish James, who had three major advantages over her criminal law enforcement counterparts. This statute on the book in New York's, this 63 part 12, is the less demanding civil law standard of proof and a non-jury trial in which the judge makes the decisions. In fact, the judge is so sensitive, Andy McCarthy writes, about the no victims hole in the state's fraud case that in his pretrial ruling, He fined Trump lawyers for repeatedly bringing up this completely irrelevant point. But James knows it's a problem. Her reliance on prior New York precedents for this proposition that she needn't show harm in order to disgorge profits could be attacked on appeal because she has brought an unprecedented case. The state has never before sued under this statute on a theory of overvalued assets. And by the way, let me just make the point, too. People overvalue their assets all the time. It's up to the bank or it's up to the insurance company or whoever to do their due diligence. That's what it says on the forms. But the banks went ahead and gave Trump the loans. And why did they do that? Because they wanted his business. That's why. And they wanted to make money because that's how banks make money. Believe it or not, they make money by lending money. This is so political 
and, and it screams of politics, but you need to understand that under New York state law, how they did this, how they were able to figure this out to go after Trump without so much as a jury, without so much as a finding of his guilt, because the judge is just allowed to find it. So literally, the attorney general came up with a theory that Trump's alleged fraud caused stratospheric losses for financial institutions, even though, and I want to make this point, not a single one complained. Not a single one complained. So she came up with that theory, and then the judge agreed and said, you're guilty, now you got to pay up. You're liable for fraud, pay up. That's what happened. That's what you just saw happen. And so what everybody's been watching on TV, and maybe you were thinking there was a chance there was going to be, you know, Trump's not guilty or something like this. No, no, no. The guilt was already decided. This was the penalty phase. And now they're making him pay $355 million. It's insane. It really is insane. It's insane that in the United States of America, we could have a statute on the books like this. All right, uh, 855-839-1210, if you would like to weigh in. Elon Musk says uh, the New York court ordering President Trump to pay $354 million, no victims with losses, who is supposed to receive the money? That's right. The argument from the Attorney General of New York is the people of New York received the money because they were defrauded. Huh? How? How? How were they defrauded? If the case had zero victims, if no loan, if all the loans were repaid and, and, and the banks even testified in defense of Trump's so, uh, business operations, who gets the money? Who gets the money? Exactly. The state of New York gets it. Now, Trump's going to file an appeal, and we'll talk more about how that appeal process is going to work a little bit later in the show. Um, this is a statement from Trump's attorney, Alina Haba. The verdict is a manifest injustice. Plain and simple. It is the culmination of a multi-year politically fueled witch hunt that was designed to take down Donald Trump before Letitia James ever stepped foot into the attorney general's office. Let me read you the uh, statement that Donald Trump put out on his Truth Social account. He said, a crooked New York state judge working with a totally corrupt attorney general who ran on the basis of I will get Trump before knowing anything about me or my company has just fined me $355 million based on nothing other than having built a great company. Election interference, witch hunt, more to follow. He also wrote the following. He said the justice system in New York State and America as a whole is under assault by partisan, deluded, biased judges and prosecutors. Racist, corrupt AG Tish James has been obsessed with getting Trump for years and used crooked New York State Judge Engeron to get an illegal, un-American judgment against me, my family, and my tremendous business. I helped New York City during its worst of times, and now while it's overrun with violent Biden migrant crime, the radicals are doing all they can to kick me out. Now, I would imagine at some point we're going to hear some actual verbal statements as well, and we'll certainly bring those to you. But here's a little clip of the judge in this case, Judge Arthur Angeron, who years ago talked about why he believes in jury nullification. In other words, this guy believes that judges have the ability to do whatever the hell they want. And he acknowledges judges get, judges get it wrong. But pay very close attention to what he says here because it's, it shows you a lot into the mindset of this guy who, again, is an elected Democrat, partisan elected official. He's not appointed. He's an elected judge. 
who also is a Democrat partisan who clearly hates Trump and clearly was out to do the bidding of Tish James, who hates Trump. And this is what the judge said. Take a listen. Now, I'm going to say something controversial, even though I'm being taped. Juries get it wrong a lot. That's my own opinion. I do only civil trials, personal injury cases, contract disputes. But I've had situations where, like, oh, my, my heaven's sake, how could they have thought that? Well, I have, a, um, I have a tool that I can deal with that. It's called jury notwithstanding the verdict, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. I can say there is no possible way that a reasonable jury would have reached that conclusion. And, all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following law, I'm, I'm an impartial referee, but it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? Oh, and, and by the way, I worked for the Columbia Daily Spectator for a couple of weeks. What happened was I went there every day and wrote a few stories. One I got criticized on because I wrote that some uh, Ku Klux Klaners had murdered some people and, and I was told, you can't say that. How do we know? You weren't there. Well, that was what everybody thought. Anyway, yeah, we should have absolute immunity. What if we defame somebody? Um, that's how it usually comes up. You know, you call somebody a murderer or a heroin addict, that sort of thing, a pedophile. And if it's done in court, yeah, I think we should have absolute immunity. Now, I want to also make this point, and I, I checked, uh, we'll do a, a check-in on social media. Thanks to our friends at Cherry Hill, Volvo. Uh, Bill C. asked the question, Langhorn, PA. And it's similar to the question that Elon Musk asked, but I like Bill's point even better than Elon Musk. So, Bill, congratulations. You trump Elon Musk in your question, which I think is excellent. The question that I have not heard asked yet is, there is no victim who gets all the money. So if the state of New York gets this money, is this not just another method of civil asset forfeiture? It's an excellent point. It's a great point. If you don't have any victims here, who gets the money? the attorney general of New York is arguing that you, the, the people of New York are victimized here. Well, how? At the same time, she argues the banks were victims because the banks lost out on money because they charged Trump lower interest rates based on the fact that he inflated the value of his properties. Now, two points on this. Number one, what is something worth? It's worth whatever somebody would pay for it. I guarantee you that if tomorrow Trump put Mar-a-Lago on the market for $18 million, he would get about 750,000 offers on it. I mean, I'd go in on it with a bunch of people. There's no way that property's worth only $18 million. Uh, there, there are Jersey Shore homes that go for $18 million. It's ridiculous. But how do you know the, the value of anything? It's up to what someone is worth to pay for. So banks and insurance companies use their, they have departments to make these determinations. They have appraisers who go out and figure out the value of things. They look at market value. They make a determination. It's not a I mean, it's 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 a science how they do it. It's a formula, but it's not, you know, an absolute. It's an opinion that they're making. I think your home's worth a million dollars. Well, in this market, I think it's only worth seven hundred fifty thousand. I think in this market, it's worth one point two million. But Trump's assets, though, 
for the state to argue that Mar-a-Lago, which is a, a private club, a beautiful club, I've been there, it's gorgeous, it's, it's only worth $18 million, which you've got, there are homes in South Jersey that go for $18 million. It's insane. It's absurd. But let's assume for a second here that what the state's argument is correct. Well, then the banks got, they lost out on all this money because they could have charged them higher interest rates. Well, first of all, we don't know that they would have. Because if the banks had come back and said, hey, listen, we think we think your properties aren't worth what you're saying they are, so we're going to charge you a higher interest rate. Maybe Trump would have taken his business elsewhere. Maybe the banks were happy to give him the, the best rate. If you shop around for a mortgage, don't you shop around and try to find the best interest rate? And some companies are going to charge you higher rates than others. And they might use your credit history and they might use your, your financial statements and all these other things. And maybe, maybe you, to get that mortgage, have to inflate the value of the home, what you think it's worth. But the mortgage company is okay with it because they, they, they want the business. So you say, I think this house is worth, you know, $500,000. Maybe an appraiser disagrees and says it's worth $400,000. But the mortgage company's appraiser agrees with you. It's $500,000. We're giving you the loan. They don't have to. They're not under any, there's no requirement. There's no law that says a value has to be tied to this interest rate. So they make these determinations because they want the business. And none of them came forward and said they were defrauded. None of them came forward and said, hey, I got ripped off here by this guy. Nobody. No banks, no insurance companies, nobody. It's absurd in the United States of America, we could have a law like this on the books. It really is. Uh, 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in. By the way, Zach Smith will join us at 535. He is an attorney. He's an expert in this stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss the, um, the appeal, uh, where this goes from here. But a couple other things I want to mention. Biden finally visited East Palestine, probably because he thought he was going to Gaza. Um, he finally went there today. We have a couple clips of what Biden mumbled about while he was out there in um, East Palestine. Um, let's start with number one, Matt. Let me be clear. Well, there are acts of God. This was an act of greed that was 100 percent preventable. Let me say it again. An act of greed that was 100 percent preventable. How was it an act of greed that was 100 percent preventable? He he doesn't have to say that. He can just throw it out there. He can just scream about that. And, you know, I guess just makes it so. He also said this. Take a listen. We have other obligations. And that's here to stay here as long as it takes to get everything done and be sure no one's left behind. In moments like this, let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America, for God's sake. We have obligations to one another. There's nothing beyond our capacity when we do it together. Uh, it's, um, uh, I, I don't. I, he had another. He had a major brain lapse today. He had another major brain lapse uh, when he was speaking about the death of uh, Putin's critic. And of course, he went after Donald Trump and all this. Um, Matt, I I texted you this this particular clip of Biden having a brain. This cut three. Okay, uh, this is Biden using the the opportunity to bash Trump, of course, uh, after Navalny's death in the Russian prison. Cut three. All of us should reject the dangerous statements made by the previous president that invited Russia to invade our NATO allies if they weren't paying up. He said if an ally did not pay their dues, he'd encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want. I mean, 
I guess I should clear my mind here a little bit and not say what I'm really thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. That's very, very helpful there. Thank you. Uh, the other thing, too, is that as we're talking a lot about New York, I don't want to let go of, this, of the fact that we also had the Georgia issue yesterday and then Fawny Willis's father today. Law professor Alan Dershowitz was on with Hannity last night, and he said what we've all said. It's very plausible that Willis and Wade have committed perjury. Cut four, Cut five. For me, the, fo- the issue is perjury. There is a plausible case, not an ironclad case, a plausible case that the two of them both committed uh, perjury. Uh, He seems clearly to have committed perjury, if not in the courtroom, in answering his interrogatories, where he swore under oath, essentially, that he did not have sex between the time he was married and the date he signed that, admitting, however, that he did have sex when he thought the marriage was broken down. That's one thing. The second thing is this is a a she said, they said uh, a confrontation. We have a witness who seems completely plausible, who said that she admitted that she had a relationship with him during the period of time when she denied doing it. One witness against two witnesses. But remember, she testified under oath. Hey, all you need for proof is one witness's testimony. There was one witness, her friend, who testified that there was sex during the period of time that they denied it. So I think there's a plausible case for perjury here, but I think there's an open and shut case for disqualification based on the appearance of impropriety. Look, when you admit that you paid for all these trips on your credit cards, then the burden of proof shifts to the other side to demonstrate that there was payback in cash. And the fact that there are no records and the payments all have records, but the repayments have no records, gives rise to a plausible interpretation that that's not true, that there was financial benefit that accrued to the district attorney. Therefore, there's more than enough for the judge to say, at least an appearance of impropriety, total disqualification of the office, start from scratch, put the case in a different district. Let's see if an independent prosecutor thinks there's enough here for a RICO prosecution. Uh, I agree that that this this is over. I think that and I've told you for a while, I think the case in Georgia is done. I really do. I think it's done. But Jeffrey Tubin does not agree. Jeffrey Tubin pulled out his own theory on this case and he believes it's a so what matter. So Jeffrey Tubin, again, with a novel idea, um, pulled out this theory. <laughs> What? Nothing. <laughs> what? It's a Jeffrey Tubin and and, and pulled well, and out. I don't know if this is just to stroke their ego or not. I don't know if they were looking to do that or you know to raise ratings in any way. But he's kind of defending this a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> he definitely is. You know. Um, But leave it to, you know, Jeffrey Tubin to really, you know, again, use uh, his own, uh, I guess, legal perch, you know what I mean, from which to um, grab hold of this argument and really take it to the to the climax of the (laughs) legal argument that he's making. Um, Cut six. The only person making that allegation is this this one witness. Can I ask you a question? So what? 
So what if they had this relationship? Well, the question is, did they lie about it? I agree but, with no, so but, what if they had it? But, exactly. But, but why, why does, it, does this prejudice Donald Trump or any of these defendants at all? I mean, that's the thing that's so baffling about all this. Suppose they had this relationship. Suppose they lied. Why does that disqualify them in in this in this proceeding? Well, I mean, yes, maybe, maybe the court. an attorney lying to the maybe court it's, is, it's, is it's not good. Uh, a reason that she should be voted out of yeah. office. That's a legitimate thing. But but there is no prejudice against Donald well, Trump. But just the details, Jessica, did. Yeah, but you see, if he put his hands on a law book in Georgia, and I know he's busy with his hands doing other things, but if you put his hands on a law book in Georgia, he'd understand that, that you actually can't, that would disqualify you. That the law is pretty clear on that fact. Uh, doing a social media check-in, courtesy of our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, Amy, Princess of Profanity, said, so help me out. I bought my house as a foreclosure in 2009 for dirt, but now with the market and all the improvements, my house is now worth a S-load of dirt, so is the bank I bought it from going to sue me because now it's worth more than I originally paid? Maybe, I don't know, but that's up to the bank. The No bank sued Donald Trump. No bank went after Donald Trump in this case. The, the better analogy for you would be, is the state of New Jersey going to come after you and go after you and argue that you, um, your house is worth more than what you said it was at the time? Because that's, I mean, that's base. That's basically what happened to Trump. The state, there, no bank sued him. No insurance company sued him. No one went to the attorney general and complained. The state decided on its own that these people had been defrauded, even though none of them complained. No victims. No one came forward. This, by the way, is the top story of the day today, brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, venariadental.com. I want to tell you, my friends at McCausland Lock Service, you know, they do great work, and we have our Travis Manion Foundation Radiothon coming up very soon, and they always support it because they know the great work of the Travis Manion Foundation. You should reach out to them today. If you've lost your key fobs, your transponder remotes, any of those things need to be repaired, or replaced McCausland Lock Service is where you go Tom and Chrissy will take great care of you and they will always give you great service and they will do all makes and models of cars even the fancy ones you know BMWs Mercedes and all that and most of the time it's going to be 50% less than what you pay at the dealer that's the beauty of McCausland Lock Service right on Route 420 in Prospect Park PA easy to get to McCausland Lock Service Tom and Chrissy the entire team there for over a hundred years they have been serving you for all of your lock needs. So reach out to them today because they stand with us. They do a great job. And those transponder keys, those remotes, all those fancy fobs, you know, it's not a bad idea just to even have a spare. Because if you have a spare, then you know what? You don't have to work, find yourself in a position where um, you're turning around and going, what do I do? What do I do? McCall's and Lock Service, trust them. They're the real deal. McCall's and Lock Service. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rich Seoli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. The premier full-service resort and conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com
Unbelievable. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Zach Smith is the senior legal fellow and manager of the Supreme Court and Appellate Advocacy Program in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin R. Meese Center. Zach, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Always good to be with you. This is a uh, crazy day today, obviously, with a lot of reaction. For, first of all, give me your uh, your 30,000-foot uh, take on all this. Well, I feel like I said every time I talk to you and we talk about Donald Trump, this is unprecedented. You know, a uh, uh, judgment of this amount, uh, $355 million against Donald Trump, uh, personally, $4 million for uh, Eric and Don Jr., as well as being prohibited for several years from running his companies in the state of New York, his companies being placed under monitors. Uh, this really is a drastic decision from the judge there in New York City. I don't think anyone particularly expected him to rule in Donald Trump's favor. He had already said he found that Donald Trump had committed fraud in his business dealings, but a judgment of this magnitude is certainly unprecedented. And given some of the really bizarre things the judge said in his 90-plus page opinion in this uh, fraud trial, there could be potential grounds for appeal for Donald Trump and his legal team. Yeah, let's talk about the appeal. How does that process work? Well, this is going to be in uh, New York State Court. Obviously, this was a New York State Court trial brought by New York's Attorney General Letitia James. This was a civil case, meaning money damages were at issue. So this was one of the cases where Donald Trump wasn't facing jail time. Uh, But essentially, Trump and his team would ask uh, a New York State appellate court uh, to step in and review the judge's findings, the facts and conclusions of law to see if he made any errors. And given the, you know, lengthy opinion, the the myriad of testimony that was heard in this case, uh, there could be some ground for that. Now, it is interesting, all of the current members of New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, which is the equivalent of state Supreme Courts in other states, uh, they're all Democrats. They're all appointed by either uh, Andrew Cuomo or uh, Kathy Hochul. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do if this case ultimately makes its way uh, up to New York's highest court. The, the the statute here is remarkable. I mean, the fact that you don't have to have any intent to defraud, the fact that you don't even have to have any victims. I mean, there are no victims in this case, Zach Smith. That is the right. remarkable thing. No banks complain. No insurance companies complain. So a, a number of people have asked the question, who gets the money? I mean, there's $350 million he's got to pay. Who gets that money? Yeah, I think it would go to the state of New York is my, my understanding. But look, I think that's a very important point you're making, Rich, about the banks not complaining, actually wanting to do further business uh, with Donald Trump and the Trump Organization after they made some of the loans in question. And I think it's also important to keep in mind, you know, these are not small, you know, small town banks, mom and pop shops. These are very, very sophisticated counterparties that Donald Trump is dealing with in these, uh, you know, real estate transactions and business transactions that he's making on behalf of the Trump organizations. And so if they did not agree with his valuation of certain properties, uh, they're certainly free to push back <laughs> against that. Uh, and yet they did it or pay back and ultimately did additional business uh, with Trump and the Trump organization. And so this is just, you know, it's a very bizarre case uh, from top to bottom. Letitia James campaigned on essentially holding Donald Trump, quote, accountable for his actions. 
And keep in mind, she was asking for $370 million in damages in this case, uh, and she got pretty close to that with this judgment uh, that was just entered today. And it's also important to note that the judge made the determination of Trump's guilt. No, no jury did. This was not about a, a, a determination of right. guilt. The judge had made that determination pre-trial. How does a judge just get to make a determination of guilt? I understand that it's a civil statute, but with, with such a severe penalty here, I mean, isn't Trump entitled to any due process? I mean, th- this is why this whole thing is so sleazy, because they, they, they didn't have they knew they couldn't build a criminal case because you don't have any victims. So they use the civil statute and the judge just gets to make this determination of guilt all by himself. Well, there were some procedural issues at the outset of the dispute over whether Donald Trump should be entitled to a jury or whether he move forward as a judge-only trial. But keep in mind, Rich, all of the evidence, all the testimony we've been hearing about for so many weeks was really just relevant to the penalty phase of the trial. Right. And one of the things, if I was the judge, that would make me nervous uh, going up on appeal is, you know, look, I think it's very apparent from his opinion, his 92-page opinion, that Donald Trump and his legal team got under his skin in some degree. He talked about, you know, Donald Trump going on lengthy, irrelevant diatribes, that he often interjected, gave statements that the judge thought wasn't relevant. Well, guess what? Donald Trump had a right to testify uh, in his trial to, to when he was called as a witness. And I think when you compare... Uh, some of the judges, uh, you know, uh, complaints about Donald Trump and his testimony. When you compare that with what's happening in Georgia, uh, in that criminal case in Georgia with Fannie Willis taking the stand, often going on lengthy you know, diatribes in her own right, you know, it really does just seem like uh, this judge, unfortunately, uh, didn't like Donald Trump and his legal team. And because of that, in part, imposed a very harsh penalty. And so I think that could be one aspect uh, that could make this uh this somewhat vulnerable on appeal. Uh, Zach Smith, the other point that I wanted to mention, you brought up Georgia here and the funny Willis case and Nathan Wade. I'm sure you watched the testimony. I'm sure you, 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 you saw what we all saw. Um, it's obvious they had an inappropriate relationship. It's just a matter of when the, the, the timing works out here for all of this. But it also seems to me that even whether or not, you know, they were, together physically before she hired him or not, clearly the relationship was inappropriate. Everybody knows that. Everybody can see that. It's sleazy, the paying of the cash and everything like this. I mean, I I don't know what the benchmark is, but this goes beyond just a simple workplace relationship here. So do you think ultimately the the Trump co-defendants are going to be successful? You know, I don't know. I think, you know, if you look at the evidence uh, most charitably uh, for Willis and Wade and the others involved, uh, it looks like a clown show, uh, to be perfectly honest uh, with you. Uh, And they certainly didn't do themselves any favors on the witness stand. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Nathan Wade probably perjured himself uh, in his divorce proceedings, his answers to some questions, interrogatories uh, that he gave where he, you know, stated uh, under oath that he had not been involved uh, in any, you know, intimate relationships, uh, you know, over a certain period of time when that clearly is the case now. And one of the very troubling things about this, Rich, is, you know, a prosecutor is supposed to impartially enforce the law. And if evidence comes to light where maybe it makes sense to dismiss the charges or reduce the charges, 
The prosecutor is supposed to go where the evidence leads and do what is in the interest of justice. And if a prosecutor is personally benefiting from a case, he or she cannot do that. And what's really troubling in this case, you know, is the alleged kickbacks, uh, other things of value that Nathan Wade was allegedly providing to her, uh, essentially, you know, after he had received this, you know, $600,000 contract from her office. Uh, that's very, very troubling. And we heard on the witness stand yesterday uh, from both Wade and Willis that she allegedly paid him back in cash for many of these trips. Uh, yet there are no transactions of any of that those payments being made. She couldn't identify where she received the cash from initially to make those payments, you know, very large payments to him to refund him for some trips and gifts and things of that nature. And so just from top to bottom, you know, regardless of whether she's disqualified from continuing to prosecute uh, Donald Trump and the co-defendants uh, in, in Fulton County, you know, I think her credibility is just severely damaged as a result of these allegations and the testimony uh, that she gave at the hearing yesterday. Yeah, well said. Zach Smith, always appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for making the time on a busy day, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. Senior legal fellow and manager of the Supreme Court and Appellate Advocacy Program in the Heritage's, uh, Heritage Foundation and Edwin R. Meese Center. Zach, have a great weekend. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. You as well. Take care. All right. Now, uh, before we go to break, Trump is going to speak. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break now. And then we'll come back this way. If he speaks, we can go to it live for you. Um, and I'll tell you what he just posted on his Truth Social just a few moments ago. I do want to tell you, though, about my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Great guy, great friend, the master of dental implants. Go see him today for your perfect smile. He has two locations to serve you, Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge. And Dr. Mike is a great guy. If you need any complicated dental work, Dental implants, well, that's his specialty, and he's the master of them, so make an appointment today. He's my family's dentist. Told you mom is the only discovered him. Dr. Mike will give you the smile of your dreams, and the whole office is great. Great people, great environment, great music playing. It's really a, a, a different kind of dental office. You know, forget the chain dental offices. They're obsessed with cost. He's obsessed with care, and that's why for over 10 years, Dr. Mike Venaria has been recognized as a top dentist in New Jersey among his peers, and that's incredible. So make an appointment. You deserve a great smile. Come on. Of all the things to make your life better, a great smile can really do that for you. So just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. He's my friend. And he is the guy you need for any complicated dental work. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Be sure to follow Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on the free Odyssey app. Download it now. Trump is going to speak soon after the uh, decision was handed down. He did post on his true social just a few moments ago. He said this election interference and tyrannical abuse of power by a crooked judge and crooked attorney general cannot be tolerated. 
My case was already won in the appellate division, and more than 80% of the frivolous claims were wiped out. Yet, as I suspected, and in order to hurt me and the Republican Party politically, crooked and corrupt Judge Arthur Engeron ignored his loss of the appellate division and came up with an outrageous $355 million fine against me. Using a statute that has never been applied like this before, the corrupt judge conspired with the crooked attorney general and punished a liquid and beautiful corporate empire that started in New York and has been successful all around the world. So obviously, a lot to say. He has more. He said, there were no victims and not one person testified there was any fraud. The actual witnesses established my net worth exceeded that reported in my financial statements, as those statements never included my most valuable asset, the Trump brand. The highly respected expert witness said my financial statements were among the best he has ever seen. I paid over $300 million in taxes to New York City and state, and they want me gone. They are crazed lunatics who are destroying everything in their way. It all starts with Biden's attacks on his political opponent. So like I said, when he comes out, oh, actually, he has more here. The actual bankers who were involved in the loan transactions testified I was a highly sought after whale of a client with one of the strongest personal balance sheets they had ever seen. And I was overqualified for the loans. Those banks earned more than $100 million in profits doing business with me and my companies. But to justify his crazed attack on me and my family, this biased Trump-hating judge ignored all this and even said Michael Cohen told the truth, although Cohen admitted to lying hundreds of times and lied right in front of the judge during the trial. This shocking and corrupt interference in the free markets for political gain places every New York business transaction at risk. We must make sure corrupt politicians and judges cannot continue to abuse the power of their office and violate the public trust. We have already won, and we will continue the fight on appeal. So <clears throat> when he comes and speaks live, we will um, certainly bring that to you as suing this. Um, all right. So let me... Okay, we'll uh, take this to 58. All right. <clears throat> what we'll do is, um, obviously, we have another hour to go. So you're going to get to hear that live. So you don't have to go anywhere, which is nice. I mean, it's um, one of the benefits of being an afternoon drive is that all this stuff breaks during our show. So, you know, we're able to do that. And next week, we're going to be live at CPAC. I'm off Monday because it's President's Day and we're having a little family day. But kids are off from school. But then we'll be back and then we'll be at CPAC doing the show from Radio Row throughout the week. So you never know who's going to stop by the show and say hello and uh, we're excited about that. It should be a lot of fun. I did want to play this clip of uh, a lunatic uh, admiral, you have to say that by law, Admiral Rachel Levine, who, of course, you know as the Pennsylvania nursing home killer, now been elevated for the tremendous job of killing people in nursing homes to the Assistant Secretary of Health, the nation's first openly transgender Assistant Secretary of Health. And in discussing Black History Month, talks about climate change, cut seven. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health through better understanding for black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity, 
and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address the health consequences linked to climate change. Visit hhs.gov for more information and tune in next Thursday to hear from another HHS leader on how you can contribute to advancing better health for black communities. There you go. So uh, climate is racist again. Climate justice. All right, we'll come back. Uh, We'll hopefully hear Donald Trump speak live very, very soon. So don't go away. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 